Are you looking to start a career as a professional driver? On this episode of Driven Too Far, we're going to break it down so you know what to expect the first year, starting with CDL training. Hello, I'm Andrew Winkler, and this is Driven Too Far, the truth about trucking, a podcast that helps over-the-road truck drivers balance career and family. Have you ever thought about becoming a professional truck driver? On today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about what it takes to get into the truck driving profession and what you can expect that first year. So recently had a phone call, uh, my wife did, in fact, from a friend, and she had a couple friends that were thinking about getting into the trucking industry. They knew that we were connected uh, to the transportation industry, so she thought she would reach out and just ask a couple questions about what does it take to kind of get get started with it. So I thought this would make a great episode. I know there's a lot of curiosity out there. Uh, For the most part, when you talk about truck driving as a profession, Uh, People understand you can make a a good living at it. Uh, And so what does that look like? What does a good living mean? And then, of course, on the flip side of that, you need to talk about the quality of life for that professional driver, too. What does that look like? So I thought I'd start out just by talking a little bit about what does it take to get your CDL in the first place. So first thing is eligibility. In the United States, you need to be at least 18 years old to get a commercial driver's license. And if you're 18, uh, you can get a CDL, but you can only drive within the state boundaries of the state that issued it to you. So you can't leave your state, your home state, basically. Now, once you turn 21, then you can cross state lines. So that's called intrastate, interstate travel. Most people would then get a CDL learner's permit. So at some point, you got to have some kind of training, right? Uh, For the most part, that is going to happen like at a community college, maybe a private CDL school, uh, offer classes for something like that. And then there's some bigger carriers out there that actually run their own CDL training programs where you can obtain your CDL through those. So let's break those down real quick and talk about each one of them. The community colleges are a great resource, and from what I've seen, I've seen that cost anywhere from maybe fifteen hundred dollars up to three or four thousand in most cases. You can probably plan on about six weeks on average for the training period. There are some private schools out there, privately owned schools, that can also uh, help you get your CDL. Sometimes they're more expensive, typically. I've seen those anywhere from five to $6,000, and I'm talking about uh, some of the local ones here in the Midwest uh, that I'm aware of. Now, if you uh, can't afford to pay that, the, the trick about that is the cost of this kind of school, typically you're not eligible for a student loan for those type of things. So it's hard to get the funding if you don't have the cash saved up or you don't have some savings that you can use or borrow the money from a, a friend or family member. Uh, that can be hard to come come up with that kind of cash up front. But there is an alternate solution. So some of the bigger carriers, like I mentioned, offer a CDL school that's essentially free. Uh, with the understanding that once you graduate, get your CDL, you're going to go to work for them for a certain amount of time. And that's going to vary from carrier to carrier. It might be a six-month, one-year, two-year type commitment to drive for them. But it's a great way to get your foot in the door uh, nevertheless. The days of, uh, you know, kind of coming off the farm, so to speak, and just going and getting your CDL license are kind of gone. So the government has recently changed some regulations 
where everybody does have to have a certain amount of schooling or training in order to be issued that that CDL. So it's making sure that everybody's uh, going through a certain curriculum in their CDL training program. So those fly-by-night operations you used to hear about where you could show up and in 48 hours you'd earn your CDL, those types of schools or scams are gone. And that was the purpose behind the regulation change, which is a good thing for our industry for sure. Uh, you can expect to take a medical examination. So you're behind the wheel of an 80,000-pound vehicle, probably running up and down the road at 65, 70 miles an hour, something like that. they got to make sure you're in a certain amount of good health, that uh, you're not a heart attack waiting to happen or something you know medically could happen while you're behind the wheel of that truck. Uh, obviously, they're checking your eyesight and some blood pressure and, and different things like that as well. So you got to have a medical certificate to pass. You can expect to take both a written CDL test uh, about the rules and regulations behind a commercial driver's license, and then there's also a skills test that you'll need to pass as well. The beauty about going through the schooling process is they walk you through that. So that six weeks that you spend in the school, that's the things you're learning about in the book to take the written test. And then you're out probably on a range or a course and you're out there physically driving these trucks. You're learning how to handle, back up, maneuver these uh, large vehicles. So when you do get ready to test out at the end of your six weeks, uh, you're well prepared and you shouldn't really have any trouble passing your CDL exams that way. You can expect a background check of, of some sort. Uh, and then also a drug screen. So I think a lot of the schools will make you take a drug screen like a pre-employment drug screen before you start. And then you can probably expect to take one again uh, once you graduate from school and you go to work for, for a carrier. They'll have to put you in their random and pre-employment drug program as well. So here's kind of the, the tricky part of this is about half the states, maybe more now, have legalized marijuana in the U.S., uh, but truck driving, CDL, a commercial driver's license, is federally regulated. So because the federal government doesn't recognize marijuana as a legal drug, you can't have any marijuana in your system. So if you live in some of those states or maybe that's something that you uh, take part in on a recreational basis, truck driving may not be the, uh, the job for you for sure because you do have to pass a drug screen and that includes uh, testing for marijuana use. So let's say you get through school, you pass your CDL. Uh, now who are you going to go to work for, right? So um, there's a good chance if you went through a school, there may be uh, truckload carriers coming in during that process and kind of going through a recruiting phase. They may be trying to introduce you to their truck line and what they have to offer for jobs. Uh, it could be anywhere from local jobs to regional jobs to long haul jobs. There may be dry vans, tankers, flatbeds, reefers, uh, cement trucks, those type of things. So anyways, these recruiters come into these schools and uh, they're trying to tell you about their programs they have and to see if you're a good fit for them. So you can certainly expect to do that uh, during the school process. But once you get close to graduating from school, you should be or already know who you would like to go to work for. So hopefully you've kind of gone through a process and singled those people out and you have an idea of which carriers you'd like to put in an application with. Now, once you land that job and you get invited to a carrier orientation, 
uh, here's what you can probably expect. You can probably expect at least two days, if not a full week of orientation at that carrier. Uh, in our case, we're flatbed, so our first two days is spent a lot of regulations and policies and kind of going over the, the bookwork, so to speak, um, of how we function as a truck line. And then days three, four, and five of the week are spent with a lot of hands-on training. So we're teaching drivers how to tie things down properly to the flatbed so the cargo doesn't shift and stuff like that. If you decide to go to work for maybe a reefer or a van carrier, that orientation period could be a little bit could be a little bit smaller. Um, once you get through that and you've passed the orientation part, you're probably going to be assigned to go out with a trainer. And this is like on-the-job training. This could be anywhere from four to six to eight weeks, depending on the carrier and how long they want you out that with that trainer. You'll be paired up with the trainer. If you're doing a regional or an OTR type of job, you're going to be living with that trainer in that cab of that truck. So you'll be sharing uh, space in the truck. There's usually double bunks in the big trucks. Uh, but nevertheless, it's a small confined area. It's kind of eight foot by eight foot that you and a, a stranger are, are going to be sharing for the next several weeks. So that's something you need to know about. You need to know those expectations. Now, if you're female, they're likely going to pair you with a, a, a female trainer. Uh, typically, we wouldn't mix and match um, uh, trainers and trainees unless they were related, obviously, if you were training your, your spouse or something like that. But, you know, as a trainee going into this situation, the carrier is going to do the best job they can of kind of learning to know your personality and your likes and then trying to match you with a trainer that has similar personality and likes. So they make the best chance they can for you guys to be able to get along for the next several weeks. On occasion, it doesn't work out. Uh, if that's something that happens to you and you get matched with a trainer and you just, for whatever reason, you guys don't click, just talk to your company about it. Talk to the carrier about it. I'm sure they'll do everything they can to try to switch something around for you and, and make it work for everybody. So now as a student trainee in that truck, you have to remember that you're coming into that trainer's house, so to speak. That's his vehicle. That's where he lives uh, several days a week or weeks on end, maybe something like that. So you have to be respectful in what you do, how you take care of yourself, make sure you're clean. Uh, if you happen to smoke or something like that, you know, those are things that need to be worked out ahead of time. They probably aren't going to match a trainer trainee that one smokes and one doesn't. That doesn't always go so well. But if you do smoke, maybe they'll match you up with, with a trainer that smokes as well. And then and you guys will have to figure out if it's uh, appropriate for you to smoke in the truck while it's moving or if they prefer you smoke outside the truck. So it just takes a lot of respect that way. The purpose of you going out with the trainer for so many weeks is you're essentially learning the ropes. There's so much you didn't learn in class and there's so much you didn't learn on the range at that school by just uh, slowly moving around the yard. Uh, this is things like, well, how do I put fuel in the truck? What does that look like when I get to the fuel stops? How do I pull up to the fuel stops? How do I pay for the fuel? What do I do with the receipt for the fuel? There's things like that. And then there's all the interactions with the shippers and the receivers. So the, the places you're going to be picking up freight and the places you're going to be delivering freight. 
Uh, there's some similarities to all of it, but there's also little nuances and differences as well. So seeing that stuff in action over the course of several weeks will really help prepare you to go solo on your own. So once you go solo, and even though you might be going to places you've never been before, you have a general idea of how things flow and how things work. So that's the purpose of going out with that trainer for four to eight weeks at a time, is teaching you the ropes and what it's really like on the road. Some of the other things that that trainer might be uh, teaching you is figuring out, you know, gosh, when's a good time to communicate with my family? How far can I drive before I need a break? Uh, you've got hours of service regulations you have to understand and deal with. You can only drive so many hours per day before you're required to take a break. Uh, what does that look like? Where do I go for those breaks? How do I know there's going to be parking when I get there? So those, again, are the kind of things you're trying to learn from that trainer. Um, you know, once you get to know that trainer a little bit more, uh, maybe they'll open up to you and you'll get a chance to ask them about, hey, what was it like when you started as a driver? What kind of issues did you run into or challenges did you run into? Was it stuff out on the road? Was it dealing with the public? Uh, was it with the shippers and receivers? And then what kind of stress did it cause you uh, on the home front? So that's a big one. And this could definitely be a person that can give you some advice and some guidance of what worked for them, maybe what didn't work for them in all those cases and scenarios. There's the physical demands of the job, and it may not, you may not think of that at first because you're, you're thinking, well, geez, I'm just going to be sitting in this nice, comfy air ride chair uh, running up and down the interstate, and, and you are in a lot of cases. But that also takes a toll on your body, and, and it creates fatigue. You know, for you to sit behind that wheel for 8 to 10 hours a day and drive 500 miles a day after day after day, it takes a lot and it does take some conditioning on your part. Your body will have to kind of get used to that lifestyle. So that's something that you can expect. Uh, I remember when I was uh, early in my career, it took me probably a good month as a solo driver before my body really could function and, and understand uh, what I was putting it through. There was, there was, I would leave early in the morning with the load. And for whatever reason, I just knew by the time I hit St. Louis at three, three o'clock in the afternoon, something about that sun coming through the window. Uh, I just as well find a rest area and, and take a nap because I was just done. And, and it kind of worked out because you ended up, you take a couple hour nap at the time in the the hours of service have certainly changed since I was doing it, but I could take a couple hour nap and kind of wait for rush hour traffic to get get by in St. Louis and then get back up at six or seven in the evening and then and cruise through the bigger cities like that. So it was just something you learned and some timing. But my point was when your body's tired, your body's tired and you, you have to know how to uh, deal with that and make sure you're getting adequate rest and not pushing through uh, that fatigue. So the time away from home is a big one, um, you know, that I, I think when a lot of people look at trucking, you're, you're thinking about the money, you're thinking about the freedom on the open road. Uh, if you've got a family at home, maybe a spouse and kids or something, of course, you're talking about uh, this and you're very excited about the possibilities. You know, a lot of us, we've been infatuated with big trucks since we were little kids and the idea to get out and actually drive one of those. Uh, and go see the country is it's very exciting and it's very rewarding for sure 
And even if you talk through those things at the beginning with your spouse and they feel like they can handle you being gone for long periods of time, maybe that's a week, maybe that's two weeks at a time, it's much different once it starts happening. The first few weeks may be really good, uh, no big deal, but week after week after week, all of a sudden it starts to wear on you and, and the family because of the change and stuff. So you really have to think about those things. There's some safety challenges that you're going to have to navigate as a professional driver uh, that you may not have thought of up front. But again, you got to think about the size and the weight of the vehicle that you're driving. It's 80,000 pounds. It's high profile. It doesn't handle the same in the wind uh, as your car, your pickup truck does. So that's certainly different. Uh, it's slow. It takes a long time to get up to speed. It takes a long time to get it to stop because of the weight. There's different traffic situations that you have to navigate. Going through the lower end of Chicago on Interstate 80 uh, during rush hour is much different in a big truck like that. It's a very slow process. Uh, it can be tiring. It can be hard to have patience. Uh, people don't always respect you in the truck. You've got cars cutting in front of you constantly. So there's certain stresses that happen with the job that you haven't thought about yet. And you need to understand how you as a person can deal with stress. Do you deal with those things okay or do you get kind of rattled easy? And if you do, this may not be the career for you. There's the different deliveries and routes. you got to figure out, uh, I'm going to go from point A to point B. How am I going to get there? What road should I take? Uh, when should I take my breaks? When should I try to get through the bigger cities? Is there a timing issue? Should I try to go through in the middle of the day or early in the morning before the traffic starts? Uh, there's just a lot of different things you have to be able to uh, physically and mentally handle as a professional driver. And some of it just comes with experience. I don't want to necessarily try to scare you off. I just want you to be thinking about all these different things uh, that are going to get thrown at you that are new. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Driven Too Far. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you can join us for part two of this episode.